All right, thank you for downloading the Cruise Control Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J, C-R-U-Z. This is Billy Corbin, director of Cocaine Cowboys and the 30 for 30s, The U and Broke. And there's nothing we love in Miami more than driving cruise control with no hands, steering with our knee, and not using turn signals, which is kind of what it's like listening to the Cruise Control podcast with my man, Randy Cruz. This is the Cruise Control Podcast, now on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Before going to my guest of the night, Ryan Anderson, the co-host and the co-creator of the Gully Blanchard Podcast on gullyblanchard.podbean.com. Uh... Thanksgiving coming up, so that means Black Friday is right around the corner. You can now buy the Cruise Control Podcast t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise Control from tomorrow, November 25th, all the way to November 30th at 20% off. So support the podcast from tomorrow all the way to November 30th, Black Friday week sale, 20% off. Not only my shirt, but any shirt on the entire website, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise Control. So speaking about wrestling, um, got a guy who all the way from Sacramento, California, joining us, Mr. Ryan Anderson, co-host and co-creator of the Gully Blanchard podcast, now joining us. Ryan, what's up, my man? How you doing? Good, man. How you doing today? Doing good. Uh, you're all the way in Sacramento, huh? Yep. Great state of Sacramento, California, also known as the City of Trees. All right. <laughs> uh, hopefully the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. No, that's a good part about living out here. Uh, what's the weather like out there? Right now it's about 50, and it's getting kind of colder at night. I think we're going to drop in about the 50s these next couple, next couple weeks. We've got some rain today, but... Starting to cool down a little bit, thankfully. We were in the 70s for a while, so oh, man, good I'm, to get a little change of season. I'm jealous, man. Right now, it's about 45 out here in New York City, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I've been out there in the <laughs> wintertime, too. Those winters are a lot different than our winters. Mm. That, uh, that wind is no joke. You're, like you said, you're in the great state of California. Are, are you a King, Clipper, Laker, Warrior fan? What's up? Which one? Uh, I've been a home. I've been a hometown boy. I've always been a fan of the Kings. Um, you know, I don't really. I don't have an emotional investment in the team. I'm actually half Australian, so mm-hmm. I'll support the Aussie players. So I'm a pretty. I'll follow like Bogut, Patty Mills, uh, Dante Exum. Right. I mean, I'll go to the Kings games. Um, unfortunately, with them being uh, talently deficient, their uh, their tickets are about ten bucks a seat for the game. So wow. on a Tuesday night, it's not bad to have a couple buddies go. You know, go to Arco Arena and check out some games. Um, they haven't been good in a while. I love watching Boogie and Rondo play, but, you know, you kind of go to the games knowing you're going to pay $10 to just watch a basketball game. Yeah, man, Boogie's a great talent. I like the addition for Rondo. I I, I don't know about George Carl being the head coach. That, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Uh, even got a big game tonight, the Warriors and the Lakers. The Warriors trying to go for that 16-0. and 0. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if the Lakers can do it or try to make it you know competitive, but uh, I I think everybody has Golden State breaking that record for uh, sixteen and zero tonight. 
I'm thinking that the Lakers, uh, their best opportunity to catch the Warriors slipping is to stretch better than them in pregames and hope they don't get the jump ball to get start the game. Yeah, it's going to be the Lakers' best shot in that game. And Curry and Thompson saying they're not playing tonight. That's the only chance they got. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it's been a, it's going to be a tough transition for the Lakers once uh, Kobe finally decides to hang it up. So again, that's a that's probably a whole different podcast. And I got, I'm glad I'm safe right now to where the Kobe Hive can't really swarm all, all over <laughs> me for that one. But we'll uh, we'll see how it goes in uh, Lakerland after that. Uh, man, to this day, even 13 years later, I still say Sacramento Kings should have went to the finals that year back in '02. Man. If you ask any Kings fan that was out here, I can tell you to the minute where I was when Robert Ory hit that shot. I was uh, I was working at a pizza place in Sacramento, and we all kind of ran in the, the big party room, and we all watched. We all watched the block. We watched the tip out to Ory, and we watched Ory hit that shot over Chris Webber. Any Kings fan worth their salt will tell you where they were when that shot happened. It's uh, they haven't been relevant since. So I mean, we're hoping one day they'll turn around. We've got a new arena coming next year. Right. But, um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's tough to allure free agents to come here, that's for sure, especially with the way the franchise has been ran the past couple of years. So talk about your podcast. I mentioned it, the Gully Blanchard podcast. Um, what what got you into doing stuff like that? Was it always something that you wanted to do, talk radio, podcasting? And what does the podcast consist of? Yeah, what it was was I love to write about professional wrestling. Um, I, I love watching the matches, but to me, more than anything, the the process of how they get there, what the moves mean, um, kind of the backstage, and you know, the backstage of how they're getting through the matches is always what's fascinating to me. So I've always, I used to write for a couple websites and do some freelance stuff, and I just found it really hard to sit down and write. And I listened to a couple, you know, a couple wrestling podcasts, and I'm thinking like, I like what these guys are doing. They're doing something different, and I felt really confident that I had something that I wanted to bring out to people. That it was going to be something a little bit different than your traditional, you know, on Raw, Kevin Owens beat Sheamus, and right. it, you know, six minutes for this mark. I wanted to kind of give the fans something a little bit different. You know, I've got two of my best friends on there that I've went to high school with and known about half my life, and we try to do something a little different to where. Those guys are novice fans, so I the goal was was to have those guys on there and just kind of press record and go with the show to where fans that you know may not be super in tune to what's going on with wrestling can hear the show and like oh I kind of wonder why that happened or I remember when I was a fan and Hulk Hogan beat Andre the Giant or the the Macho Man era and it kind of allows us to talk about those eras and you know they have questions that they want to answer and. I'll try to talk about not necessarily the angles and what they were, but where WWE is trying to take the story. So try to give the fans something a little bit different they haven't heard. And then not only that, you know, we're, we're three friends for the last 15 to 20 years, so we just try to go on there and have fun. And, you know, hopefully it comes across real well with fans. And our goal on every show is to give the fans some laughs, something to learn, and um, just try to give the fans something to think about when they think about professional wrestling. Hey, man, uh, I... I can't agree with you more because when I when I started doing my my cruise control podcast, I think about you know September 2014. It, my podcast was always about basketball and, and entertainment, music, stuff like that. And, and one day I was like, you know what? I know a shitload about wrestling. I, I've been a, a fan for like 25 years. Why not try to find people? on websites and internet and social media and trying to hit people up, whether they are currently wrestling or not, or bloggers or whatever, and kind of talk about the business. And from that day on, 
now the podcast is, is basketball, it's entertainment, it's music, it's, you know, pop culture, it's, it, it's professional wrestling. So now I'm not tied to one thing. So a lot of people who hit me up uh, would tell me how they love hearing a, a basketball show that I did on a Monday and a wrestling podcast I did on a Thursday. It gives uh, different diversity to the whole podcast uh, genre. So um, I like just being... Uh, not in one realm. I like being in multiple realms. So, I mean, and and, and, and that's how it is now in, in podcasting where you can talk about wrestling and five other things and the same thing for me. So, um, you know, good for you. Uh, I'm pretty sure your podcast is, is, is a success right now. Um, I'm still trying to get there, but um, hopefully one day that more and more people can hear what you're doing and what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, my whole thing is I just like giving the fans something a little bit different because, I mean, in all reality, uh, you know, uh, the wrestling fans that are in the know, they're all going to have opinions, and we try to touch on those. Like, for yeah. example, we talked about the uh, the issue with the Reed Flair angle, and then we brought together, you know, in the past certain angles where they went to, you know, they went past the quote-unquote line with that, and we just talked about, you know, is that an issue with wrestling or you know, why in wrestling would you do that? Why would you go there? And then we were able to even tie it back to, you know, CM Punk debuting on the Ronda Rousey. We were, we were talking about having CM Punk debut on the Ronda Rousey card if they do UFC 200. You know, what certain wrestlers mean. And I find a lot of people that I meet on a daily basis or people I come across, you know, at one point or another, they were wrestling fans. And that always fascinates me. Like, what made you stop? What made you start? How did you connect to a macho man as opposed to an ultimate warrior or what made you see Goldberg and what, you know, what, where was that connection from? Because I think it takes it a little bit more layered and it, it, you bring more of an emotional reaction out of the fans. Cause I think, you know, I'm 31. I think I heard what I saw when your tweets earlier, you're 32. And I think we can watch the match just to a blue in the face, but it's always the story and the, the emotional connections with these men and women as individuals that we connect to more as opposed to just, you know, punch, kick, power slam. Right, right. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm 32. I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I I see these guys that I was fans of, and you know these NBA players that I were fans of, and their assistant coaches. And yeah, I've, I'm every day. I'm reminded I'm not as young as I used to be. Mm. Uh, I'll start off with this. I, I'm actually watching Sport uh, Sports Center at the same time I'm doing the show, and mm -hmm. uh, I know the new uh, world champion Sheamus is supposed to be on there. Um, I want to get your input because many people have their own little whatever about wrestling and WWE being anywhere near ESPN coverage, whatever it is. Um, I'm I'm all in for it. I think the more eyeballs uh, you can get on your product, the better. The more people, you know, the more casual fan just just trying to tune into your product, whether it's a Monday night or a Sunday night for a pay per view. Um, I'm okay for that. I I, I want to know what's your take on the wrestling, pro wrestling being showcased, whatever featured on ESPN, and do you have a problem with that or not? I actually love it. I think it's a, it's a great avenue for the you know for World Wrestling Entertainment as a company to bring that market 
to that 18 to 35 demographic that whether or not they're appealing to kids now, there's always going to be that 18 to 35 year old demographic that's going to watch a sports center. And I don't see really a way that it hurts the product. I think if you're a WWE fan, you're going to follow it to the ends of the earth. I, I put out a tweet where someone was mentioning how, you know, is, is are we going to stop watching because of Sheamus? And I'm thinking, well, if we can get through the great Kali in a Punjabi prison match, okay. I'm pretty sure we can get through Sheamus as your world champion. So, with them getting on to ESPN, I'm all for it. It's it's kind of like watching you know watching your kid graduate. I would say like they're going to that next level. And I remember you know seeing Lesnar on there and seeing them cover sport, you know, cover WrestleMania like it was a real like it was a real event to me in itself. It just made me really proud to be a wrestling fan. Like I, I sat back and I watched the highlights when Rollins cashed in on Sports Center. Like if you peel that back and step out of it, like. That's an awesome thing, and it, it is a sport. Whether you know whether we go back to the old adage, if it's fake, if it's scripted, if it's entertainment, like these guys put their lives, these guys put their lives on the line every night. Um, I'm proud to be a wrestling fan. And I'm, I was proud to see it on ESPN. If if it brings more eyes to the company, I'm all for it. I don't see how anyone is going to be watching Sports Center and be like, well, Seth Rollins shouldn't be on ESPN, and I'm no longer going to watch WWE. Well, in all reality, they probably weren't watching WWE to begin with, so I'm all for it. There was a time when the great Khali was world heavyweight champion, man, and you just reminded me of that. Yes. <laughs> that was, you know, what's funny is I always tell people, like, that's the dark era of professional wrestling. It's like that ruthless aggression coming out of that era, and, like, sometimes when I get bored, and this is usually what I do to fall asleep every night, is I'll throw on, like, a random pay-per-view from, like, 2007, and there's, like, Bobby Lashley against Greg Khali, or, like, Heidenreich was in the Legion of Doom when they redid it. In that whole era, I think people just forget about that. I forget about that entire era. Like, you had these guys that, like, that's when Cena was still doing the thugonomics, like, from WrestleMania 20 to 23. I don't think people really remember much about that era of professional wrestling. It's it's comical if you go back and watch some of that stuff. Like, Khali was dominating The Undertaker, and it just, it yeah, it, we're yeah. still here watching it, so if we can get through that. I'm sure we can get through where they're at right now. Yeah, I I, I recall 20. I mean, I've seen every single WrestleMania, some live, some on the network. Uh, I lived through all of them. Um, mm -hmm. but, you know, but WrestleMania 20 through 23, 24, I I, I just remember you know Orton, Kurt Angle, um, you know John Cena, Triple H. Um, yeah. Shawn Michaels, Edge, Batista, like, that was a pretty, um, you know, rough, you know, rough in a good way roster. But if you want to find a generation or an era of pay-per-views that kind of resemble what we see now, I'm telling you, it's 90, 1992 through 96. That's that new generation era. And I'm telling you, yes. you'll see Duke the Dumpster Drozzy and Doink the Clown and all them guys. And that it, the the Godwins, I tell you, uh, Ryan, that era is kind of resembling what you see right now. Mm. I, it's funny because sometimes I'll go back and watch like those old Survivor series, and I want to say it was like '94. I was watching last night on the network, and they had like this underdog tag team of like Marty Jannetty, Akushi, uh, Barry Horowitz, and a couple other just complete job guys, and I'm like. How in 94 are these guys still on a pay-per-view? But if you watch it, like, I, I think, you know, I watch those things in the same realm that I think women watch those reality TV shows where if you were to tell them, hey, why do you watch this? They'll say, oh, it's entertainment. 
And someone could ask me, like, why are you watching the 1993 Survivor Series from the Boston Garden? I'm like, I can't tell you, but I it, <laughs> I just get sucked into the rabbit hole, and I'm watching Doink, Dink, Dunk, and, you know, everything else, and it just, you get stuck watching that kind of stuff. Yeah. I want to ask you, before, before we saw the actual pay-per-view that was Survivor Series this past Sunday, I, I wanted to know... Were you excited for the pay-per-view? Were you happy with the build-up leading into Sunday? I think they missed on a couple parts of the build-up, but the tournament was fresh, and I was excited for it. Um, the Wyatts against the Brothers of Destruction was... I thought they missed on a few parts there, but at the end of the day, I was still excited for it. Um, I was excited for Bree Ziggler. Um, they didn't really seem to mention a lot else other than Charlotte Page, but the concept of the tournament of getting a new, fresh champion, having an emotional investment in your Reigns, your Del Rio, um, Ambrose, and also Owens, like these are all four guys that are fresh, are new. It kind of felt like a Super Bowl where you're like, um, where you're watching two teams, and you're like, one of these teams is going to be the world champion for the first time, and I want to watch it, I want to see it. And then the show started, and it fell apart. Yeah, it did. And, you know, I've seen 28 Survivor Series, and I, and I tell you, and this is no exaggeration or just kind of, you know, pounding on or what's been going on, but from Del Rio Reigns all the way down to the final match, you know, the first two matches were, were pretty good. I, I'll give you that. That was Del Rio Reigns and, and Ambrose and Owens. But me, as a fan... You you already knew who was going to win. It, it was it was too predictable. You knew Reigns was going to be Del Rio. You know Del Rio was no yeah. nowhere going to be near the finals. And for uh, uh you know it it was fifty fifty. Kevin Owens, Dean Ambrose. I I wanted Kevin Owens. I, I I'm a big Kevin Owens fan, and I felt like if you have Kevin Owens beat Dean Ambrose, you 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 kind of mess up. You know, people's heads like, "Oh wow, I thought I thought it was gonna be Dean and 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 Reigns in the finals, but then you have Dean Ambrose beat Kevin Owens, and it's like, okay, we're gonna get Dean and Roman in the finals." Um, I want to ask you, were you upset as a fan that the whole pay per view or majority of the pay per view felt boring, felt flat, felt like there was no no surprises, nothing innovative? Uh, what's your take on that? I just thought they had this golden opportunity. I think fans like us, and I don't want to speak for you, but I can speak for myself, like fans want something fresh that they have that is going to come across as new and organic and creative. And to kind of tie back to what you were saying earlier with this era kind of reminding you of that mid-2000s, I call that, I'm sorry, the, the, mid the mid-90s, I call that kind of the IcoPro era, where Austin came on the scene and he was fresh and he was new and it was creative. And I was like... I don't know if we're going to get it in Austin, but I think this is going to be like the launching point for a Roman Reigns or for a Kevin Owens or for a Dean Ambrose. Like I watched that pay-per-view thinking this is going to be the beginning. This is going to be, you know, Austin's King of the Ring promo or Punk's pipe bomb. Right. And it just felt really flat. It just felt like they were just, you know, doing your real color by the numbers. They were just very safe. They weren't taking any chances. And it was really just, I watched the show and I'm like, they, I watch the show the same way I listen to Watch the Throne, the Jay-Z and Kanye album, where I'm thinking there's no way that Vince McMahon is the most creative guy, you know, head of the most creative team in professional wrestling, 
and this is the best they came out with. Like, this was, they left the writer's office and thinking this is going to be the one to be a hit. I just don't understand how you have two golden opportunities to launch the Wyatts, to launch Roman Reigns as a potential heel, to launch Dean Ambrose as a face or a heel champion, to launch Kevin Owens, and you basically took all that build and was like, yeah, we're going to play it safe. And it just was, it was frustrating to watch as a wrestling fan. Dude, I don't even want to get started on Bray Wyatt. Um, I'm a big Bray Wyatt fan since day one. And mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's amazing how this guy can, can have great promos, uh, good to great in the ring, great aura, and every single time he has a main event at a WrestleMania, at a pay-per-view, um, he loses. And it, it, it's still mind-boggling to me that when they had Money in the Bank back in June, Bray Wyatt was not in the match. And they have a, uh, they have a championship tournament to, to crown a new world heavyweight champion, and Bray Wyatt is nowhere near the tournament. And I know they had the match with Taker and Kane and the family. I, I get all that, but you can still put him in the freaking tournament. I, I, to, to not have him or the New Day in the tournament, but you have Titus O'Neil, Tyler Breeze, and, and Callisto with all due respect. You would think, okay, I'd rather have Bray Wyatt, Kofi Kingston, Big E, Xavier Woods in the tournament as opposed to those guys. So it's like, I I want to ask you, is, is Bray Wyatt doing something wrong, or, or or do you feel like they they're holding him back? And if so, for what reasons? Why? I don't think I I think Wyatt has been a fascinating character since he came on the scene because. He's had some of the most creative feuds, you know, with Cena. When he did that thing where he had the kids around the ring and they were chanting the whole world in his hands and Cena just looked shook, I thought that was amazing. I'm like, this is fresh. This is new. Like, I haven't seen this before. And then, you know, he did his best with Taker um, at Mania. I wasn't a big fan of that because the storyline never made sense. And then he did what he did with Roman. Um, Wyatt's been Wyatt's made the best out of what he's had. I can't wrap my finger around why you don't put some sort of rocket with him. Like they did the part where they brought the you know they broke the family up, and then you know Rowan and Harper went their way, and then they brought the family back together. Which I think the sum of those four works out perfectly. I just think they've been missed. They've they've started and stopped with Wyatt, and I think that's that's you know par for the course with a lot of things WWE has done lately. They've They've started and stopped with Ziggler, with Cesaro, with all these guys, and it's fans. I, I watch every Bray Wyatt match, and I'm like, I can't figure out why this guy is jobbing to Taker, is why this guy is jobbing to Cena, why is he losing to Reigns? I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. It doesn't make sense. I'm a huge Bray Wyatt, and I think Bray Wyatt is great in the PG era because he is that. He's got something different. He's that thing that adults are going to watch and be like, this guy... Like we like this guy because it's it, it it comes across as something we can believe in. It comes across natural. I don't know what the thing is. I mean, he's had great matches. He's he's had great promos. He's I can't put my finger on what he hasn't done right. I, I don't know. I remember when it was the Royal Rumble 2014, and this guy Bray Wyatt beats Daniel Bryan in the first match. And I'm thinking like, oh, wow, Bray Wyatt just beat Daniel Bryan, a, a guy that the fans 
want to become world champion. And they, 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 they chanted his name. They cheered for him night in, night out. Eventually, he became the world champion. Now, Bray Wyatt is in a position where, like you said, he's losing to Taker and Kane and, and, and part-time. And my thing is, okay, he, he, can take a, he can take a loss to Taker and Kane. I get it, 25th, 25th anniversary for, for Undertaker. But... What the? What do you do with Bray Wyatt now? You know, you could say he 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 yeah. talked a lot. He did this. He did that. And every time he does he does the talking, he can't back it up because they won't put him over. He, the same thing happened at WrestleMania 31 with Taker. He lost. And the same thing with Dean Ambrose and the feud he had. He lost. And the Roman Reigns and he lost. And now Taker and Kane. He lost again, but now Taker and Kane go back to you know to their part-time gig, and Bray Wyatt is just out there chilling. Like, who else am I gonna go after? Because anything else that I say or do, nobody's nobody's gonna buy into what I'm saying. And now you put him in a spot where he could be like, I want to be world champion, I want to be intercontinental, whatever champion, and nobody nobody is is gonna buy that from him. I don't know if he's turning into our ver- our era's version of a late 80s Jake Roberts or Mr. Perfect to where he's just there to groom guys. And I think that's a terrible spot for him to be in because I think he's got potential to run with the title. I mean, can you imagine if him and the Wyatt family came out and was like, I now run this company. I am your champion. You know, follow the buzzards and the promos that he can cut as the champion, as the leader and the ruler of WWE. I think you have a license. To, I mean, you have a license to print money with Reigns chasing him for the belt. And like you said, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't understand him him jobbing to Cena multiple times around WrestleMania 30. I got you know WrestleMania 31 was to bring Taker back and to have Taker look good and Taker look better than I thought he was going to look in all honesty. But this guy's got to get wins or the fans are going to be like, okay, whatever, like great promo, creative, awesome, but we know you're going to lose. And it's hard for fans, it's hard for fans to buy back into someone like that. And I think that's the issue that WWE has with a lot of guys like Cesaro. I'm every time Cesaro and Ziggler get pushed, I'm like, okay, they're going to be jobbing in a couple weeks, like. Whatever you know, it's hard to buy into that, and I think that's something where fan, where WWE is really missing the boat right now. I don't know about you, but I I honestly feel Dolph Ziggler needs to a be a bad guy like he was, and and, and b change the music. I'm not a <laughs> not a fan of the theme song. I don't know what it is, but something has to change with Dolph. I think he's too happy go lucky. He's been in. in somewhat decent fuse with, with Rusev and stuff like that, but I think it's time for a, a, a gimmick change for Dolph Ziggler. What do you think? I was, you know, I was expecting coming off the heels of the season finale of Total Divas and the U.S. title with Cena, and I know Cena was going off. I was blown away, and I want to say it was Night of Champions, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, where Del Rio came back. Was that Night of Champions? I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, Del Rio came back hell in a cell. Okay, I apologize, but I thought there was a ton of money in, in Ziggler and Cena having a match at Hell in a Cell. You know, Ziggler opening that challenge. Um, you know, Z- Cena going over, and Ziggler just said, "I'd had enough. Like this guy got my girl. You know, I'm he's not better than me. I'm I'm the man. I'm the guy." And I thought that was your perfect opportunity to turn Ziggler heel. You know, turn him heel, have him destroy Cena to the point where you can write Cena off TV for a pretty long amount of time. Um, Ziggler, same thing. It's gotten stale. Like the guy comes out, he does his, sh- he does his shimmy, he does his shake. He's a bumping machine, but I-, I don't know any fan that looks at him and like, you know what? I'm finally gonna buy into that guy. I remember after I think it was post 29 at post WrestleMania 29 in New Jersey when he beat Del Rio for 
the Del Rio side, he, he won the belt there, and the, the audience lit up because they were like, finally, we buy into this guy. And at WrestleMania, we're going into WrestleMania 32 in a few months, and his status hasn't changed. Like, I just think that's that's terrible mismanagement. I thought there was an opportunity to turn him heel, and just like you said, to freshen him up by having him basically be the one to write Cena off, and then you have natural heat, you know, with the kids because this is the guy that took away our hero. And they brought out Del Rio to do Mex America, which still doesn't make sense. I want to go back a little bit. I know you mentioned how when the the opportunity came up for one Seth Rollins, you know, was hurt. He's out six to nine months. And the opportunity for the company to come up with something creative, something crazy, different, innovative for the tournament as opposed to being too predictable. And you mentioned how... You know the writers probably went in the room and out outcome this this um, idea to just have whatever it is that that they did, which is you know very bland, very vanilla, very easy, uh, not enough risk taking. But my thing is, the question is why, why, why not push the envelope? I, I know we're in a PG era, but still. If you can have a Hell in a Cell match with Taker and Brock Lesnar in October and show a little blood uh, in the PG era, then you can do a couple other things when it comes to your world title on a major pay-per-view event. The the second longest-running pay-per-view event you have in the whole company. Why not take a risk? Not Why not say, you know what? A lot of people expect this to happen, but we're going to go in a different direction. They did that many times. Montreal School Job, Rock Turning Heel, Survivor Series. A lot of things have happened at the pay-per-view, but they decided to keep it very basic and generic. My thing is, do you have an idea why they just don't want to get the fans what they want right away? I think that, in all honesty, I think they're out of touch with, what the fans want right now and I think what they're trying to do with Roman and I saw this as I was watching Survivor Series and I commented on it as it happened was Daniel Bryan got over naturally organically because he was someone that the fans could buy into. He was something that the adults could be like, you know, that's been a guy we've been a fan of for years he's finally getting a shot, the yes movement was huge, you know, the kids could do the chant so he got over by somebody cashing in the belt on him, or cashing in money in the bank on him, and aligning with the authority. Okay, well, we're struggling to get Roman over as a face. How can we get Roman over as a face? Oh, well, we'll just take that same, you know, that same painting that we painted at SummerSlam when Randy Orton cashed in money in the bank on Daniel Bryan, aligned himself with the authority. Bryan became the most over face in the company. We're just going to redo that with Roman Reigns, and I just it to me it shows a lack of creativity on their part. I don't know why they're scared to pull the trigger, and you know the fans. I don't see the fans getting behind Reigns the same way they got behind Brian, but it's it's a mystery to me. I can't see why they're not pulling the trigger and just doing something a little bit different. Um, I don't think Dean. I think Dean Ambrose is that perfect change of pace villain along the lines of your Pillmans and your Funks. Now, obviously, Ambrose is not going to be, you know, holding a gun on USA like Pillman was, but I think Ambrose is not a... I don't think Dean Ambrose is a face. I think Ambrose is your guy to go that different direction as a heel. I thought Reigns, you could do that with Reigns being the corporate champion, but they just gave us something safe. Like, I made the analogy, like, they just made the ninth man... We were talking about the Warriors earlier. They made James McAdoo on the Warriors the MVP of the league with no explanation. 
and all of a sudden we're just supposed to buy into it. And, it, you know, I think the fans are responding with not really watching the program last night. It, it, it's putting them in a bad spot. I'm sure they can get out of it, but they're digging themselves in a hole here. Now, when, when, when Roman won the title on Sunday, uh, your first reaction was what? Yeah, Dean's going to turn heel on him. And you know what's so funny? They, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, okay, Roman has it. I'm waiting. You see Ambrose do a little hug and a little celebration, yeah. you know, con- you know, congratulations. I'm thinking, like, all right, he's going to clothesline him with something. And then Dean Ambrose just walks out. And I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. And then the confetti yeah, and this and this. Block. and Like, yeah, right there could have been a perfect time to have Dean Ambrose do something. I remember looking at the clock, and it was like 7.37, and I looked, and I was like, there's 23 minutes left till 8 o'clock. Like, this isn't, this isn't going to end this way. Right. Okay, perfect. Like, they give the hug, you know, the, the bro, congratulations. And I thought you could have spun that into Dean. I said this on my show. You could have spun that uh, as Dean Ambrose being the jealous friend who never right. got, you know, he should have, he was better than Reigns. He's a better wrestler. And, you know, he should have been given all the opportunities that Roman just had handed to him. He worked harder for them in the Indies and cut his teeth, and Roman was given all these opportunities. It was just your perfect opportunity to turn one of those two guys' heels and give the fans something that they wanted to watch, and we got Sheamus. Right. No build, off nothing. And now we're supposed to buy into this guy who lost in the first round, who hasn't done anything relevant since he returned, aside from turning heel on Ziggler, and now he's our champ. And we just got to go with that. <laughs> and, and, and you're right, where I felt like they had two chances. One, Ambrose could have turned heel right there. He leaves, nothing happens. Hunter comes out. Well, I'm thinking, like, okay, maybe somehow Roman and him were in close the whole time. And then we could have seen Roman join... Hunter right there and then. And then we get the spear, we get Sheamus, we get a new champion. So now when Sheamus comes out and, and wins, now mind you, Sheamus could have cashed in, but he could have lost. That that right there could have been something a little different. Like, oh, wow, he cashed in and still lost. And then we'll probably get like a rematch uh, at TLC. But now when Sheamus cashes in, he wins. What is your reaction to that? I, I, I looked and I was like, I, I don't get it. It's kind of like watching like a. It's like watching something on TV, and you're like, "Well, I don't know." Bring rewind that a little bit. That doesn't make any sense. And I remember I watched him hit the first, you know, hit the first kick. He went for the pin, and I'm like, "Oh no way!" Like, there's no way they're going to do this here. And he Reigns kicked out. And I'm like, "Okay, perfect." Like Reigns is going to beat him. There's your natural rivalry. I cashed in the bet. I cashed in before I could get my thoughts complete. Reigns, you know, Reigns got you know, Reigns ate the bro kick, and he covered him again. And I'm just like. You just pretty much took three weeks of innovative, creative booking that the fans wanted to get behind with the Wyatts and with this tournament, and you just lit it on fire. So now my question... Watching a movie, it, it's the equivalent of like watching a really good preview of a movie, and then you go to it, and it just sucks. Mm. Now, I, I know there's a lot of people you know, on the shelf. Self, uh, Seth, Cena, Orton... It, it was Rusev until he came back. Uh, Nikki Bella's out. Tyson Kidd is out. Now Cesaro's out. Sting is out. So the roster is very, very thin. So now Sheamus has the, I guess, the obligation to to carry the belt for however long they 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 see fit. Um, one, what is your opinion on Sheamus as a wrestler? And two, 
Can it be anything positive from Sheamus being the new world heavyweight champion? My opinion is him as, as him of a wrestler is he's just one dimensional. Like you've seen him do a bro kick, you've seen him do it before. You've seen him do everything he's going to do. He's going to be the Irish guy that comes out and screams. He's going to pound his chest. He's going to do the bro kick. I haven't seen any growth as Sheamus as the character or as a wrestler. I think he's been the same guy he was when he first won the belt. Um, as far as any positives, um, I would like to see Sheamus get the belt until Mania, where you know Reigns gets his WrestleMania moment by beating Sheamus. Um, I would hate to see them do what they did at Survivor Series to have Sheamus drop the belt at the Royal Rumble. I don't. I think you know if Reigns is going to catch it, if Reigns is going to chase Sheamus till you know for a while, his best bet is to catch him at WrestleMania and have that WrestleMania moment that he didn't have last year. But I think as a positive, I mean, you build up a couple heels. You know, it gives Barrett more TV time, and I think Barrett's sorely underused. Um, it allows Rusev a chance to kind of re- reinvigorate his character after that god-awful, you know, whatever he had with Summer Rae and Lana and Ziggler. I thought that was a terrible progression from, you know, that monster coming out of WrestleMania 31 as a tank. So it gives... It gives Reigns guys to get through. I don't like having the rematch at TLC. Um, I would have preferred Reigns chase Sheamus all the way until Mania. But as far as positives, I mean, I guess it gives Reigns three heels that the fans don't like that are, you know, that are, you know, Euro or Bulgarian or whatever. And, you know, USA fans are naturally going to go against your foreign heels. So maybe it'll give Reigns a little bit of a face clout. I just. They're in for a long haul for Mania. You mentioned Sheamus uh, is or can be one-dimensional. So now him as champion, um, how how would you like how would you like to see Sheamus grow? Um, whether it be him on the microphone, him being more ruthless, more uh, aggressive. Um, what kind of growth would you like to see from him as a champion? I would like to see more of. You know, more of a vicious streak, I think, would be great. I think he's got a great chance to show that at TLC. I mean, TLC is going to be a physical pay-per-view. Um, I can't see that match with him and Reigns ending cleanly. i got, I got to think there's some kind of screw job in there somewhere to, you know, keep the, keep the finish fresh. Um, I'd like to see him just be more ruthless, more aggressive. Um, I don't know as far as on the mic if he's got anything else with that. I'd like to see him more as like a silent kind of... Brock Lesnar, like a JV version of Brock Lesnar, where he just has the authority to do his talking. He just comes in and destroys people, along with Rusev and Barrett, to where, you know, the fans want to see him get beat. And I think right now the fans don't really want to see Sheamus get beat because he's a champion. The fans want to see Sheamus get beat because they don't like him. So I think giving him more depth as far as, you know, this is why I cashed in, I tried to pander to you fans. You guys weren't behind it. Now I'm the champ. I run this company. I mean, I'm, I'm spitballing ideas. I just think they've got to do something else with him to hold him over for four or five months so that the fans want to see Roman Reigns beat him. So now you mentioned how you want you would want Roman to win or, or chase Sheamus all the way up to WrestleMania and then finally winning the world title. But the only problem is... We have the pay-per-view called the Royal Rumble. So my thing is this. Are you telling me we're going to have another Rumble where Reigns wins it for a second straight year? Or 
or we're going to see somebody else win that Royal Rumble match? I would like to see, and this is just kind of me fantasy booking here, um, I would like to see Lesnar come back and dominate the Rumble as a heel. Come in and just, you know, shatter Roman's record. I kind of came up with the scenario, and I'd like to see it, and, and I don't know how safe this would be, is just having him just German suplex guys out of the ring and just dominate the Rumble and, you know, have it be him and Reigns at the end and in that February pay-per-view leading up to leading up to, I think they call it fast lane or it was elimination chamber. I'm not sure what they're going to call it this year and just have, you know, Reigns and Lesnar get that rematch for WrestleMania 30 for WrestleMania 31 and Reigns say, if I keep, you know, Lesnar's hey, I beat you. I haven't beat you before. I'm going to put my WrestleMania title match on the line against you. If you beat me, cause you can't beat me, I'm going to give you my time. You know, you win. So that way you have Reigns go through vicious monster heel Lesnar and then he wins that to get to Sheamus, and then this whole time, you know, Sheamus and Reigns don't touch each other, and you you make the fans want to watch Reigns as a face finally get what he's what he's been wanting for the last year as far as chasing that belt. Does the the chase for the world title that Roman Reigns is more than likely going to go through uh, something good for him, or like you said before, it 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 kind of emulates what they did with Daniel Bryan uh, two years ago, or, or, or even for the fact that, same thing for Dean Ambrose, are chasing the championship uh, by Dean and Roman Reigns, is that good for them? I think it's good for them because it gives the fans a reason to care. And I think one thing where they missed with Roman last year was it all seemed too formulaic. Like, Roman Reigns was the chosen one from the beginning, and the fans didn't really have a reason to get behind Roman Reigns as a professional wrestler. So I think with him losing at 31, with what happened in Survivor Series, and then with the chase, I'm, I'm hoping that they can spin this to where the fans are like, we want to see this guy because we've bought into him. There's no one really else around to take that face light. He's fought through adversity. You know, he's fought through Rollins cashing in. He's fought through Sheamus cashing in. He, you know, he defeated the mighty Brock Lesnar at the February pay-per-view. He, I, I hope that they're able to build emotional equity in Roman Reigns to where the fans look at him, not the same way they looked at Brian, because they can't recreate that yes movement. And I think Reigns on the mic is a, a little bit too overexposed because I don't think he's ready to develop the sort of promos that Brian did and, and emulate that energy from the fans. But I think having someone that the fans are like, that's our guy. Like, he's kind of like... He's kind of like the guy that we've bought in for for the last year. You know, he's he's had his bumps along the road. We didn't like him in the beginning. Now we do. We want to see him finally get what he deserves by knocking off the evil foreign champion. When we all found out that Seth Rollins was going to be out for, I, I think, the summertime, um, obviously the best in the business, uh, the most charismatic and, you know, best wrestler they have in the world today. Um when you found out, and when we all found out he was going to be out that long, um, what was your first um, thought? Like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do without Seth? Oh, he, oh wow, he's he's out that long. Um, what was your first instincts about him being out that long? When I saw the move where he he missed on the the sunset flip powerbomb, I was like, ooh, that looks bad. And I saw I saw the knee kind of buckle, and I'm like. 
that could either be every ligament in his knee or it could be a sprained knee, and I, I was definitely hoping for a minor injury. But once the news came around, it's like six to nine months, I thought, well, he's going to come back as a face because the fans are really starting to buy into him. It, it wasn't working towards the end with him being a heel. So I thought, when he comes back, he's going he's gonna to be the face of the company. And, you know, he's not going to be your Cena, but he's going to be that guy that our generation, you know, our era fans love, the girls love him. He just, he's going to be the top baby face in the company once he comes back. And that's why I thought doing the Roman heel turn at Survivor Series made the most sense because, you know, Roman never beat Seth for the belt. Roman turns on the authority. Roman and Seth were friends. So, you know, Roman goes through to SummerSlam, and then you got a perfect SummerSlam match where, Seth comes back as the babyface who never really lost the belt to, you know, evil heel corporate reigns, and he wants his belt back. And then you've got SummerSlam booked, and you've got SummerSlam 2016 booked. So I felt terrible, you know, for Seth Rollins as a wrestler and as someone that we've all grown to, you know, become big fans of over the years. And I was just, I was thinking, like, so many opportunities are going to open up from this. Like, yes, it, it sucks that it happened, but. You know, WWE's got a golden goose on their hands where they can come up with different creative ideas. Rollins is going to come back as a face, and I, they just missed on they, they missed on everything. What about this scenario? Let's say Seth comes back SummerSlam time. We all know he's going to be a face, and mm -hmm. let's say this new authority or Authority 2.0 with Rusev, Barrett, and Sheamus holds up that long. Uh, all the way to the summertime, the likelihood of Seth coming back, teaming up, teaming up with Reigns, teaming up with Ambrose, and reforming the Shield to go up against this new authority they got going on. What's the likelihood of that happening? I love that, and if and if I can, you know, fantasy book that for a quick second. I love to where you have. You know, you have the authority 2.0 or the Euro authority. You have them just beating down Reigns in the middle of the ring. And, then they're, you know, Ambrose comes down for the save, and you have them beating down Ambrose. And then all of a sudden, Rollins' music hits, and he runs down, and he cleans house. And, the, you know, the shield, you know, your lasting image on Monday Night Raw is the three of them together in the ring with their fists together. And you've got Triple H just beside himself. And I think... That's going to solidify the Euro Authority, and I don't. I'm not. I don't know if call them Authority 2.0 or the New Authority or you know Euro Authority, but that solidifies those guys as major players. The same way that I think Evolution solidified the Shield as major players right. post WrestleMania 30. I think there's there's money in it. I like the scenario. I think there's a lot of room for it. I just I don't have a ton of confidence right now in WWE to pull the, pull something <laughs> that logical off. In all honesty. It's amazing how someone like me and you are coming up with these great ideas and we're not getting paid for it. We're not in the room. We're not yeah. getting compensated. And, you know, hopefully down the line, they'll take your idea or they'll take mine. But I think if they were to plan to reunite the Shield, obviously by that time, Reigns would have to be world champion. It'll make sense. And then you could have your little program with Seth. Um, down the road but uh i got two more left for you i i, I don't want to go into much of <clears throat> you know raw from last night i know they had a very 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 low rating i think it was 2.16 which 
You know, yeah. that, that that's borderline Nitro, 1999-2000 numbers. Yeah. Um, that's the Jeff Jarrett era of Monday Nitro right there. Yeah, uh, terrible. Um, the roster is, 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 is very thin. Um, they're uh, very thin, man. And you know the roster is thin when you see Mark Henry, Heath Slater, and Jack Swagger on Monday Night Raw. And, and that tells yeah. you change the freaking channel right now to for 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 a football game but how much of raw did you watch last night uh were you watching because you were just you're just a fan you want to see what's going on did did you feel sorry for what's going on or did what's going on man how much of raw of that terrible raw last night did you watch I watched the whole thing. Um, just really? Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I watched, I, watched, I watched it on DVR, though, because, I mean, out here we get it at 8 o'clock, and I was okay. running errands until late, so I fast-forwarded through, like, the Swagger thing. I, 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 I threw the Slater thing. I fast-forwarded to the end of the Neville thing. I don't think I watched the Divas match in full. Um, I watched Sasha's match because I'm a fan of Sasha. Um, I watched the New Day promo because those guys are just gold. Um, I watched it and I, I turned the show off and at the end I'm like, how do you, like, how, how, I don't understand, like, nothing about the opening promo made sense to me, because if I'm Reigns and I'm thinking as someone who's give or take about Reigns' age, if I was just screwed out of what I wanted in the WWE title, what I worked for my whole career, I'm not walking down that aisle, I'm not smiling, I'm not talking to anyone, I'm coming into that ring and I'm fighting Sheamus. I'm fighting Triple H. I'm fighting everyone that gets in my way. So that was the first thing. I'm like, they just, they're neutering the guy. They, like, if he's supposed to be this, you know, the the powerhouse of the shield or the future of the company, like, they're making him just, they're just neutering him on a weekly basis. And, you know, it, as a man, if something like that happened to me, there's no talking. You know, we don't need to talk. We don't need to, I'm not smiling. I'm not trotting down the stairs. Like, I'm running through the crowd. I'm attacking Sheamus. I'm attacking Triple H. So that part didn't make sense. I mean, the end. I mean, it. it, it you know, it left a good taste in the fans' mouths of having Roman. You know, on the top of the ring at the end. I just. I I remember I was I was talking to someone during during Raw, and I'm like, they could still turn him. Like I was I was like that delusional fan of I was like, they can still turn Roman here. They can still turn him. Like it still it still makes sense. They still can't mess this up. And at the end of the day, it's. Sheamus and Roman going into TLC. So I get that the roster's thin. Um, I, it, it's the frustrating part about that because Saturday they had all this momentum. Sunday they ripped it to shreds. And then the only thing they really built on from Sunday was, you know, the Divas had their thing, you know, where Paige snapped because all she really did was put Charlotte on a PTO on a table. And then they didn't really touch on the Wyatts as far as, you know, what happened with Taker and Kane, which I still don't like the concept of part-timers. But I was really disappointed with Raw in general. I thought they gave you a bad meal, and they followed up with it with a bad dessert. Yeah, I mean, a, a great creative idea would have been having everybody think Roman Reigns is walking down, you know, the aisle and the fans in a, in a stadium, but... Have him run out the, from the main entrance and run to the ring and attack Sheamus. Like like you said, I think he came. He walked down too happy. He was smiling, giving dabs and everything. And then he's, you know, kind of smirking in the ring. And, like, dude, you had the belt for five minutes. And this guy who's standing in front of you is the reason why you're no longer champion. 
And why not have Roman Reigns just run out to the ring, regular attack everybody, and be on a rampage? And that would that would have been something different. I don't know if that would have changed the ratings, but that would have been something different for him. Where, like you said, you know, he he came down to nonchalant, you know, and, and everything, and to kind of happy. And someone like me or you would have been like, hey, you know, you took my belt, I want it back. This is what we're gonna do. This is how we're gonna do it. But again, I'm not on payroll. You're not on payroll. So yeah. hopefully they they can kind of get those ideas um, within you know in you know internally. But um, but yeah, someone like a guy like Neville, it, I, I think he's you know very underutilized right now. Maybe because of his height. But I don't care. The guy can wrestle. He's all over the place. Maybe down the road he he'll get the IC belt. I think that's a that's the kind of belt. Um, that would fit and and solidify him. Um, yeah, the the whole Divas thing. I think Sasha Banks is going to be champion at WrestleMania. They're just kind of just chilling, wasting time with, with with Paige and Charlotte, which is which is okay. But like you said, they're not they're not growing anything. They're not you know the feuds and rivalries that we see right now are not organic. They're just a feud for like a a, a couple of weeks. And then it's over. We have not gotten the the, the rivalries and feuds um, that we've had, like we did back in the days. The only one was what Brock and Taker, but that was I was decent because they were never there every Monday night. You know, they had a cup, they had a fight, then like a month later they they come on, they talk. Brock doesn't even talk, and Taker doesn't fight on Raw like that. And by the time you know it, they're fighting at Hell in a Cell. But besides that. You're not getting true rivalries, true feuds that that can make me, you, and the fans really believe, uh, and really be like, wow, like these two people really hate each other to watch every Monday night, every Sunday night, and it, it, everything goes back to why. Why is everything so different now in 2015 than it was in in, in 98, 2000, 20, uh, 2005, so on and so forth, but. I get it. It's the PG era. It's a different era. It, there's more writers backstage. There's more politics. Okay, great. But at some point, man, uh, something's got to give. Something's got to change. And hopefully one day they really uh, turn it around. Because I, I tell you this before I let you go. WrestleMania 31 was a flat-out freaking great pay-per-view. And that was the last review great one that, that they had that wrestlemania 31 shocked the hell out of me and i'm like whoa like everything from the beginning to the end it has shock, um, shock value brock did not walk out as champion seth cashed in he, he had a great match with orton everything just fell right into place and then after that it was just like the same old thing it's like why can't we get what you gave us at wrestlemania 31 every freaking month and I guess we'll never know, but hopefully one day down the road we'll we'll find out. Yeah, you know what's funny about thirty one was I uh, live in Sacramento. I'm about two hours, give or take, away from San Jose. Right. And I was I was like, well, I can go to WrestleMania thirty one, or I can go to the NXT show in San Jose. You know, to have it make sense financially. I'm like, uh, I don't know. NXT really. I think this NXT show is going to be pretty good. Let me choose NXT. Went to NXT, had a ball. Like Ken uh, Hideo did the GTS. Mm. You know, the Divas had a great match. You know, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens did their thing. Finn had a great match against Neville, and I left that show thinking, 
great, I made the right decision. And I was sitting on my friend's couch watching 31 when that RKO hit from Orton. I'm like, ooh, I wish I was there for that. And, you know, then they did, you know, the Divas thing. I'm like, ooh, I wish I was there for that. And then it was like Rock and Rousey, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, I don't know. And then they did the main event, and I remember as Rollins was cashing in, I'm like, I, I could have been there. Like, I, And I was pissed because I wasn't there. But, like, that was the last pay-per-view that they did that really felt like this is why. I, I remember, you know, I text my friend afterwards, I'm like, this is why I love professional wrestling. Mm. Sports entertainment, this is why at 31 years old, like, my wardrobe is WWE shirts. I'm a proud professional wrestling fan because of nights like this. And then they just fail to capitalize on it when they have these golden opportunities. And as a wrestling fan, it's really frustrating. One quick bit um, before I let you go officially. Um, the same thing happened to me, but kind of like the reverse, where SummerSlam weekend was here in, uh, in New York and Brooklyn, and you know, they had the NXT TakeOver um, on that Saturday and then SummerSlam on that Sunday, and plus they had Raw on Monday. So I was like, I know I'm not going to all three. I may not go to two of them, but I want to go to one of them. And I know they, I know they had a couple autograph signing things uh, on Thursday, Friday, and stuff like that, and, and, and also Saturday morning. So I was like, boom, I got... SummerSlam tickets. I was like, great. My, you know, my first SummerSlam, you know, being at the Barclays. And I'm like, well, I could have went to NXT TakeOver, but I felt like, I don't know. I, I guess I guess just me, I wanted to go to the pay-per-view. I've never been to a SummerSlam. Yeah. I want to go to that. And I tell you, Ryan, I was like, shit. I should have went to freaking NXT TakeOver yeah. because that crowd yeah. was so lit. It was crazy. I saw on the network. I'm like, why? Why did I? That's all you saw on Twitter. TakeOver. Yes. Sasha. Bailey, Owens. Finn Balor. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. I didn't go to TakeOver. But then I go to, I go to SummerSlam the next night thinking it was going to be hoping that SummerSlam was going to be remotely near TakeOver, NXT TakeOver, and it wasn't. Not even close. Not even yeah, close. Yeah, it wasn't even close. I, I remember that, and I'm like, ooh, they, they're they picking up steam with NXT. And then I remember watching the Sasha Bailey match, and I'm like, I, I, you know, that's the best women's wrestling match I've ever seen. Like, I can't remember a better women's wrestling match than that. That was great. And, you know, they did the thing with Liger that was really cool. You know, Joe was there, and Owens and Balor put on a great match. And I'm like, they knocked that thing out of the park, and mm. then it just missed on Survivor Series. I mean, I'm sorry, SummerSlam. Yeah, really we we get a we get a, a false tap out finish with Taker and Brock Lesnar in the main event. And I'm like, what? Like, seriously? Like the the same venue you, you just had at, for NXT the night before was licked to the whole freaking ceiling, and we get a, a, a bad finish, a controversial finish for Taker and Brock Lesnar, and I got to go home like, uh, I got to watch Raw now to yeah. find out what happened. But, hey, man, yeah. Yeah, you went to NXT, I didn't, but I know next time, I know SummerSlam is back here in New York. I'm definitely going to NXT. I've I never been to a show. I got to get to one. Um, I'm a big fan of, of what they of what they do. Hopefully the people they, they yes. call up, can get that shine on the main roster, and I'm talking about Finn Balor uh, and, and 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 you know Bailey. Um, hopefully they don't mess it up for them because now when Sasha is up there and Neville was up there, it's it's okay, but it's not NXT. But hopefully down the road they can really uh, realize that Neville is a player, Sasha is a player, 
Um, they're doing great things with Kevin Owens. He's IC champ. So, you know, NXT is now the new foundation for the roster. But, um, Ryan, before I let you go, I want to give you the opportunity to, again, talk about uh, your podcast, how people can find you on Twitter, when does your podcast air, how they can find it, um, all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can always reach out to me on Twitter at Gully Blanchard, uh, G-U-L-L-Y-B-L-A-N-C-H-A-R-D. Um, you can hit me up with questions, comments on the shows. Um, you can reach the Twitter. You can reach the, sh- the actual podcast itself through iTunes by searching Gully Blanchard. Um, you can also get to us through gullyblanchard.podbean.com. We generally try to do the show Wednesday nights, try to have it out to you guys Thursday, no later than Friday, depending on you know how stuff works out with obviously being the holidays. We want to have this out Thanksgiving morning for the fans. Um, we try to give you guys something a little bit different. You know, it's it's a really cool opportunity to give fans something who are, you know, I think we try to cover fans that have been wrestling fans for years. We try to talk about the whys behind certain things, not just your formulaic match podcast. And then also try to give, you know, fans who aren't big wrestling fans, kind of give them something to where, you know, listening to certain wrestling things or hearing wrestling fans talk may come across like, well, I don't really get it so to speak so i don't want to follow in two of my best friends that are on there aren't the biggest wrestling fans they're novices so they have questions and i take the time to explain them we'll take questions from fans so it's a real interactive real fun podcast you know hopefully you guys enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy doing it because we have a ball just pressing record and spitballing so it's a great show give it a you know give it a check out if you guys have any questions hit me up on twitter follow the show and we'd love to get any kind of feedback Ryan Anderson, the Gully Blanchard Podcast, all the way from Sacramento, California. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey, not a problem, Randy. My pleasure, man. All right. Take care.